0: Now, if you're new and sort of visiting us online, that's a llama. I feel like the the, the height difference means, like, my distance to your mouth
1: is one and a half meters, like,
0: up, so roughly. So we're okay. (laughs) We could probably even cuddle, Um, and that would be fine. Um, Though, this morning, Elijah clearly didn't get the memo about no singing. He was singing. He was singing. He was singing his one note. Um, so clearly, you guys have been hanging out a bit recently. <laughs> yeah. And he sounded better than me still. <laughs> it was wonderful, yeah. Uh, um, awesome. We'll, we'll look at disciplining him after the yep, service. That's, that's um, what you should do. 11 months old, he should know better. Um, we love these guys. Um, if you're new in visiting us online, uh, September last year, we commissioned these guys to plant Sovereign Grace Church of Parramatta. And so what I've asked Riley to do as he opens up God's word for us uh this morning is to share with us a bit of an update about how Parramatta's been going what the last uh six months I guess yeah. have been like more than six months now nine months now really mm. but a pandemic I feel like that's kind of it takes three months off yeah, yeah. they'll take three months yeah. off there yeah. um um, just to fill us in about what God has been doing uh, in Somgrest Church of Parramatta uh, before He opens up for us God's Word. So can we make Briley again feel welcome, and uh, as He preaches God's Word to us this morning? Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother.
1: Well, Sovereign Grace Church, Burunga. It is so good to be here with all 15 of you and uh, everyone else online. It's really a joy to be back. At, you know, my, now my second favourite church in the world. Sorry, um, Sovereign Grace Church, Parramatta gets number one, and you guys a close second. Um, it's been such a joy to go out. And then such a joy to know that we're actually all still together in this sense that um, we never really... If, to me, it feels like we've never left because we have such beautiful gospel partnership. Um, and I want to bring greetings from Summer Grace Church Parramatta to you guys and to um, everyone there. We want to thank you for your partnership in the gospel. We couldn't be a church plant without you, without the support, um, friendship-wise, financially um, and pastorally and all those relationships that we have. Um, in fact, in the past nine months, we've had each member of the, the team come out and preach, um, Brendan even twice because we liked him so much. Um, and we've been supported through Glenn's been running Worship Leaders Boot Camp for us. Um, every month I, I see Dave, we meet up and we continue to chat. I'm still in a partial team care group with the pastors and their wives. And so as a church plan, we have been given the greatest, you know, training wheels ever like motorized you know bike scooter with all the all the things there's no danger in our church plant because of the way we were sent out and you know it's such a blessing to have such friends um, in the mission and in the journey uh, and the the men and women and children that were sent out from this local church have been an incredible team i um, in our church of uh, we began in September fifteenth, uh, 2019, and we had a beautiful first service there, and ever since then, the Lord has just been bringing people along week after week, visitors, and over that time, we've seen nearly 20 people join the church and become members. Um, in fact, we're just about to start our third life group, so you guys got like 10 or 15 life groups. We're going to go to three life groups, starting in term three, which is you know sad and joyful as well at the same time. Um hopefully once we go back to church, we'll be able to, we've got a few people that want to get baptised, so we'll be baptising them. We had to pause it, we were going to do it on Easter Sunday, and we had to pause it because of all the coronavirus stuff. And so there's much to look forward to. We're seeing so many evidences of God's grace people's lives being changed, people's hearts being refreshed in the gospel, people coming from um, you know, outside of the Christian faith and joining in and actually doing Christian and Explored. We've got a couple of people doing that with our members running that. So the Lord's been at work. It's obviously been a weird time the past three months. We figured out we've done nearly... Or well, Maybe four months now, how long has it been we 've done over a third of our services online as a church plan, which is pretty lame uh, but by god 's grace we 've done it on zoom and, and it 's worked out fine and The Lord has helped us and sustained us the whole way and Obviously, my wife just went out with our kids but couldn 't have done it without her incredible support and love and care and our leadership team that we have so we 're a very very grateful church plan we 're very grateful for all of you guys and the way that you 've loved us, served us, cheered us on. Um, And it's such a joy to be back here preaching the word this morning. If you have a Bible, would you please open up to Psalm 84? Thank you, Coyote. I need that encouragement. In fact, I've been preaching to a screen on my own in my office for like four months. So I'm glad to have Coyote here to cheer me on. That's what we need. All righty. Not Isaiah. Crikey. That's what Josh is reading in his quiet times, he told me before. Um, No, Psalm 84 we are in this morning. Psalm 84. Uh, And this is a a great passage for us as we consider regathering together physically in local church. It's a great psalm that will encourage us to take off the Ugg boots, put on clothes, get out of bed and actually get in the car and drive to church and leave the convenience of your home Uh, for all of those of you who are still in their pyjamas at home in your Ugg boots Put them away, get ready, get dressed, because you're going to be gathering back in the local gathering again very soon. And this psalm is actually going to encourage us to that end in a great deal. If you want a title for today's message, it's Passionately Pursue God. It's kind of a way to summarize this psalm. Psalm 84, Passionately Pursue God. Am I getting a lot of movement of the... Anyway, let us read, oh, God's word. What a joy it is to read the word of the Lord. To the choir master, according to the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Singing quietly and, you know, not too loud so that we don't get in trouble with COVID. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we pray and ask that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have noticed that in this psalm, it's a a psalm of pilgrimage. It's a psalm where the, the, the people of God are, are making their way back to Zion, which is another word for Jerusalem, which is where the temple is. And he's anticipating that day when he's going to be back in the temple courts with his people, sacrificing, praising, singing, gathering, and feasting and celebrating together. And so he tells this story, this song that his family and his clan and his people can sing as they make their way back to the gathering place. And it got me thinking, you know, it's school holidays and it's that time where you think about going on great journeys and, you know, that place where you're like, I just want to be there. You know, that place where it's like, hashtag blessed, I'm feeling it. You know, this is where I want to go for my holidays. That's kind of what this psalmist is evoking. I don't know where that place is for you, that place where you're like, I just want to go on a journey and get there. For me it's down the south coast in a little town called Burrell, just south of Ulladulla. There's a campground there which backs onto the beach. It's an incredibly beautiful site with all these gum trees that give you shade by the day and there's grass to lie on at night and the beach is just a short walk down the hill and crystal blue waters and white sand and lots of things to do. It's a beautiful area. And so whenever I even just hear the word, you know, Burrell Pines, which is the name of the campground, I go, oh, you know, hold me back, we want to go, we want to pack the car, do the journey. And obviously when you go camping, it's a massive trek because you have to get everything in and somehow fit it all into the car and then set everything up. But once you've set it all up and you're there at that place, you know, the tent is ready and the beds are out and the fridge is there and everything's there and you can sit down, you can open a cold drink and then, ah, you know, that feeling of just blessedness and joy now, th- that is the kind of uh, feeling that the psalmist is trying to evoke in this psalm this sense of journey and anticipation of this event where he gets to go to this place he gets to go to the place that he longs to be at more than anywhere else and obviously for the psalmist it wasn't Burrow Pines down in Ulladulla um, for the psalmist it was Jerusalem it was to the temple. But it wasn't just to the temple that the psalmist wanted to go because you know it wasn't like he was an architectural enthusiast and he just wanted to see the great stones or he wasn't an art major and he wanted to see the beautiful tapestries. It wasn't that. The psalmist wanted to get to the temple because of who was in the temple. And it wasn't just his friends and family that would be with him. The psalmist so desperately wanted to journey to the temple because God himself dwells in the temple. The psalmist wanted to make the pilgrimage so he could be in the very presence of God. And that is, you know, really the heart behind this psalm. John Collins' commentary, he says this about the purpose of this psalm. The purpose of singing this psalm is to cultivate that delight, to open the eyes and hearts of God's people to this, listen to this, to the staggering privilege of being a welcome guest in God's own house and to write deep into their souls, the conviction that wickedness offers no reward that can even remotely compare to the joy and pleasure of God's house. You know, the point of singing this psalm is to stir up in God's people and in himself and in myself and yourself a sense of desire, anticipation, and longing to gather with God's people in God's presence to pursue and engage with God again. That's why this psalm is here. And that's why it's so fitting that we should read and preach this psalm the week before we start to do live gatherings again. It's going to hopefully for you, if you're feeling a bit laggy in your like, desire to come back to physical church, you're a bit fearful perhaps, or it's very comfortable by the fire at home, this is a psalm which is hopefully going to inspire that sense of like, I've got to be here. I've got to gather again because I want to be with God's people and I want to be with God in this special way that we have when we gather. So there's one main point that I want us to see from this psalm. One main thing that I think we can get out of this, which doesn't just relate to being here at church, it, it, it relates to all of life and it's this. True blessing is experienced by passionately pursuing God. True blessing, that is supreme happiness, is experienced by passionately pursuing God. If you noticed in the psalm, there's kind of three sections to the psalm. Four verses, and it says that little word salah, and four verses, salah, four verses, salah. And in each one of those sets of three, there's a blessed. Blessed is the one, blessed is the one, blessed is the one. And so we're going to see three blessings that come to people who passionately pursue God. And the three blessings are this. We are blessed by dwelling with God, point one. We are blessed by seeking God, point two. And we are blessed by trusting God, point three. And I'm hoping that this will restoke our joy in the Lord, if it's gone a bit wayward, or throw more coals on the fire if you're already passionately enjoying the Lord at the moment as we delve into this. So point number one, we are blessed by dwelling with God. Let's read um, verses one and two again. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. You get this sense of the psalmist that his whole body and soul is intertwined in this anticipation of dwelling with God again in the temple. You've got to remember in the Old Covenant with the Old Testament people of God, God chose in his mercy and grace to dwell specifically in one place in the temple. And when you went to the temple, you would experience the very presence of God on earth. It's where heaven and earth collided, it was in the temple. And so the psalmist is so aware of, you know, this reality that he just wants to get there. Look at those words. Like, does this kind of describe, it kind of gives you this real picture longing, you know, fainting, heart and flesh crying out to the living God. Because he longs to get to the temple, not just because it's a cool place, but because of who is there. You know, I've started very passionately, obviously, in this, in this sermon. Started with a lot of gusto. But for a lot of us, you know, it's not often that we have such passion all the time for the Lord. It might be that you're coming in or you're listening in this morning and you're like, this doesn't really capture my heart right now today. Um, you know, it doesn't, I don't know the last time I fainted for the courts of the Lord. Uh, perhaps that's you. So why why is the psalmist so excited? Why is he tripping over in his in his anticipation of meeting with God again? I believe it's because he truly understands who God really is. You see, so often we get caught up and we get these diminished views of the greatness and grandeur of God. But the psalmist, his eyes are wide open, and so he's got that that taste and that smell. And he's like, I know who he is, and I can't wait to see him again. Listen to how the psalmist explains God in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. This kind of helps us understand a little bit why this psalmist is so excited to meet with God. Psalm 16, 11 says this, about God. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the psalmist is looking on and thinking if I can get to the temple and meet in the dwelling place of God, then I get to be in the presence of the one who gives fullness of joy. You can't get more full than full, right? And pleasures forevermore. You can't get longer than forever. And so he's got in his mind, if I get there, then I get him. And if I get him, I get fullness of joy forevermore. That's a good deal. Hence the fainting, the longing, the flesh crying out and the heart singing out for the Lord. And that's why this psalm is here. Because whenever our hearts aren't feeling like this about the Lord... Whenever we are lacking that sense of anticipation and delight and affection for him, this psalm is here to be a prayer for us. To to tell our soul again, cry out for his presence. Cry out for more of him. So if you find yourself lacking in that kind of zeal and joy this morning, don't be ashamed, don't be upset. Use this psalm to stoke that joy again. Enlarge the concept of God in your mind by studying who he really is, so that you are in line with the psalmist. Ask the Spirit of God to renew and refresh your soul so that you can see truly who it is that we get to be in the presence of. But for us, obviously, we don't have a temple. So how does this actually relate? How does this context actually apply to us? Because we can't trot off down to Jerusalem and experience the presence of God anymore. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the temple veil was torn in two and the presence of God left the temple and he no longer dwells in a physical dwelling anymore. So does this psalm have nothing for us? Can we never no longer have the presence anymore? You know, there's only a wall left of like the third version of the temple. There's such a disconnect between then and now. But incredibly, through God's Holy Spirit, we actually experience an even greater reality of the presence of God than that was possible for the Israelites. Because we actually, all upon believing in Jesus Christ, receive the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And upon receiving the Holy Spirit, we all have the presence of God with us. Each and every single one of us sitting here has the presence of God dwelling in us, the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible... like It it blows our mind. We should all be like, what? (laughs) This is crazy, and it doesn't always feel like that, but that is what scripture teaches us. But even more than that, not only do we have the presence of God dwelling within us, the scripture teaches us that we can experience the presence of God in a special and unique way when we gather as his people, as a church, which is why the physical gathering on a Sunday morning is so important. It's not an optional extra to the Christian life. It's where God promises to bless and dwell his people. If you look at Ephesians chapter new, uh, new, chapter 2, Paul explains this new temple reality. He says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. You're no longer Australian, strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The temple is reconstructed through the gathering of his people, the church. The temple, God's presence dwells when we gather as a church. That is why Sunday morning is such a unique and special event. Because God chooses to bless and dwell with his gathered saints when we gather as a church. And therefore, when we get a sense of this, when we understand that actually something special happens here that can't happen over Zoom, that can't happen over YouTube or whatever service you guys use, it can't happen if you just have a quiet time. There's something unique and special that happens when two or three or more are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, then we can start to have this same anticipation of the psalmist. We start to think, Oh, how lovely is your dwelling place when I gather with the church. My soul longs, yes, faints for the call to the Lord when I gather with the, you know, on a Sunday morning. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Once we understand that when we gather here, we get more of God than we would if we weren't. I don't know how it works. I don't know the mechanics. I don't know God's science and how he figures out the measurement of you know, his blessing in dwelling with his people. But that's what his word says. And so we can begin to anticipate Sunday mornings again in person and start to anticipate the way in which God will bless us and experience more of himself. And we'll experience more joy and more peace and more spiritual protection as we go into spiritual warfare together rather than separately. There's a blessing to be had when we gather. And that's why he's so excited. And that's why we can be excited too. So if this is such a good thing, right, that we can dwell in the presence of God, blessed is he who dwells in the presence of the Lord, and we can actually do that when we gather at church, who can actually access this? You know, because if you start to understand of who God really is, a holy and mighty God... And you start to really look at yourself and know, you really should think, I ought not to be at church. I'm not good enough for church. Because you aren't. And nor am I. There's a a great difference between the holy presence of God and my lived out experience and how I live. My sins and my temptations, my frustrations, my selfishness, my arrogance, my boasting, my humanly creatureliness, and yours too. So how can we actually dwell in the presence of God? Why would he meet with us? Look at verse 3. You'll see that it's not just the Sami-type holy people that get together. Look, even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. You know, so taken up with he is this image of being in the presence of God that he's like, oh man, I wish I was a sparrow because then I could like just fly into the temple and always be there. I could even have children and we could live in the temple. How good would that be? And we could be over the top of the altar. And at the altar, we could see the sin sacrifice and we could see the way in which God bridges the gap between sinful people and a holy God. The sacrifice of an animal for the sins of his people so that a holy God can meet with a sinful people. And so he wishes he could be near this altar, smelling the, the smell of the burnt animals going up and knowing that God is a merciful and gracious God. And it's here at this altar that we can find access into the presence of God. Because the altar was only ever a shadow of the altar that was to come. The shadow of the cross where Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, would be sacrificed on an altar outside the temple. So that all types of people from all nations, from everywhere, could be in the presence of God wherever they gather as a church. They didn't need to go to Jerusalem anymore. The bridge has been gapped by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so he longs to be near that sparrow so he can experience more of that beautiful, incredible imagery of the connection between God and man through sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this, how Jesus meets the gap. I'll read just verse 14. For by a single offering, this is Jesus Christ, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Any single one of us can dwell in God's presence now because he sent his son to die in our place for our sins so that they're all paid for and we never have to miss out on being with God. We never miss out on all of his wonder and grandeur and majesty and goodness and fullness of joy forevermore. We don't have to miss out on that because there's an altar, there's a cross, and the Son of God died on it. And so he finishes this first section in verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. Do you want to be blessed the second half of this year? It's been of a (laughs) shoddy year, you know, not the greatest year so far. Um, And who knows what the rest of it will have. And I can't guarantee any, you know, circumstantial goodness will come to you. It might get worse the next six months. Happy Sunday. Um, It might get worse. But do you want to be blessed for the rest of this year? Thank you, Bernice. Well, make it your habit and your practice to joyfully anticipate and gather with the Lord's people on the Lord's day, in the Lord's presence, and enjoy the Lord himself. This psalm guarantees a blessing for those who dwell in his house singing his praise. Take the Ugg boots off, put the flannel pajamas away, pack the car, get the pram, get the kids, make the lunches, do whatever you need to do. If you want to be blessed... Gather with God's people. Dwell in his presence in that unique and special way. I wouldn't want you to miss out on it. I don't want to miss out on it. I can't wait till we start to gather at Parramatta again because I'm anticipating the Lord will meet us in a unique and special way, different to over online. True blessing is experienced by those who passionately pursue God. And in point one, we saw we pursue God by dwelling in his presence present. But what do you do when you're not here? What do you do when perhaps for some of you, you can't actually regather again? you actually, by your your sickness or your vulnerability or um, the way you care for someone, you actually can't gather um, at church on a Sunday and you're you're stuck on Zoom or YouTube, sorry, Um, that's what you guys use, right? YouTube, yeah. Um, What do you do if you can't actually be with the Lord's people? Well, that's where Psalm uh, point number two comes in. Point number two is this. We are blessed not just by dwelling with God, that was point one, but by seeking God, point number two. You see, remember the context of this psalm. The psalmist is writing a song for people to sing as they journey towards the temple. They are not yet in the temple. Yet, if you look in verse 5, he says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. You see, this is a song to sing when you're not actually at church. This is a song to sing when you are outside of the meeting of God's people in God's presence. And that there's actually a blessing attached to those who joyfully anticipate that. To those who seek God even when they are distant from his physical presence as it was in Israel and for us, church, in this time. There's a song that we can sing Monday through Saturday. And so this blessing is for those, look at verse 5 again, those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain covers it with pools, and they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. This image is the the party of the Israelites um, all moving from their different clan spots, going up the mountain to Jerusalem. And as they go, it wasn't always a safe trip. There was desert, there were thieves, there were robbers, there were you know wild animals. And so as they went over two or three days or four or five days, however long it took their party to actually make it there, there were various dangerous spots along the way. Various points where it would have been easier to pack up the caravan and head home because of the fear, the danger, the drought, you know, the heat, all that type of stuff. And so, this little section here is for the pilgrims to sing in anticipation of even though it's really bad now, it may be great when we get to being in God's presence again. And so, they sing this part of the song to remind them that we must put our hope and our strength in the Lord. And so, God promises to bless those who seek Him. Those who seek God will be blessed. He says that those who put their strength in him and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Basically, those who depend upon the Lord and those who delight in the Lord, even when they're far from the presence of God in that physical way, will still receive a blessing from the Lord. There's going to be many times over the next six months where we're going to be absent from the gathering. Uh, where people listening in at home will feel isolated, lonely, feel like the, the circumstances, the valley of Bacca, so to speak, um, is dry and dusty and that your soul is feeling um, unreplenished. You, you start to you know believe the worst. You start to feel distant from communication and fellowship. You start to feel unloved. You start to feel like God's not present and not here with me. But the psalmist here reminds us that, Lord, if you seek the Lord in that time, you will be blessed. And he describes it in this beautiful way. That even though you may be in the valley of Baca, it's like it's a place of springs. Even though it's droughty and harsh and brutal, it's like there's dew on the ground and it's soft again. Even though they're weak as they make this journey, they go from strength to strength. That's the type of blessing God is able to give each and every one of us who seeks passionately after him. You're in this position of circumstantial trial. You're far from God's people. You're far from the Lord. It's Monday through Saturday. You don't know what to do. Yet you put your trust in him. You seek the Lord in prayer. You seek the Lord in worship. You seek the Lord in private song and in fellowship. And somehow, miraculously, by God's grace, rather than feeling bitterness, rage, anger, and malice and slander and gossip, the Lord produces within you this this dew, this rain, this this softness in your heart that you don't cry out against God. You cry to Him. That's the type of blessing that the psalmist is talking about here. That even though you're in the valley. There's a rain and there's an oasis and there's a pool to it. You ought to be bitter left to yourself, yet you find that you aren't. You ought to be accusing God, yet you find a softness towards Him. That's the blessing that's promised to those who seek God, who depend on Him and delight in Him, even when they are far from Him. That's point number two. We are blessed by seeking God even when we are far from him. We are blessed by seeking God. That's the second blessing this psalm promises. Because true blessing this year, this season, is experienced by passionately pursuing God. Point number three, our final point this morning And this is where the psalm crescendos with its kind of ultimate passion and joy. You see, as he begins to contemplate the difference it would be to either go to Jerusalem and meet with God or choose a different path, it reveals to him the greatness of his choice, the supreme choice that he has made in choosing God as he begins to compare between what it would be like to go the other way. You see, in these next number of verses, there's a comparison between the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Because to go to the place of the temple was an act of faith. This is why it says in verse 12, we are blessed by trusting in the Lord. To actually move toward God takes faith. To come to church takes faith. To choose the Lord takes faith. And that's why there's a blessing attached. So let's have a look at how the psalm explains this blessing. For a day in your courts is better verse 10 than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Sorry, than dwell in tents of wickedness. It's as simple as that to the psalmist. Once he's fixed his gaze upon God, once he's apprehended who God really is, that there's fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore, that he's holy and righteous and good and gracious and kind. Once he once he's got that taste on his tongue, you can offer the psalmist anything. And he's and he's turning that down. He'd rather be on setup every week, you know, than the king of the world, so to speak. Or, you know, he'd rather um, be a nothing person in the temple than everything in the world. Now, this makes me want to be like him. I want to have this kind of faith and trust in God. I want to have this, you know, real trust in God that says, I actually believe in my heart of hearts that you are better than anything this world can offer. And it does take faith. Because to enjoy the Lord is an act of blind kind of like unseeing, invisible, spiritual satisfaction, whereas the world offers physical, visible things that we can touch, taste, and feel. And so it takes faith to actually trust in God and pursue Him. Is this true for you? In your heart of hearts, is one day, one Sunday morning, Dwelling in the presence of God, with God's people, under God's word, singing God's praise, better than a thousand elsewhere? Would you rather be unwelcome and packed down than like, you know, Kanye Rich and famous president of America? I'm assuming no one actually wants that, but say that was your dream. Would that, you know, what compares? How about this? And I said this to the SG youth, and even the young adults, actually, I used this illustration, but if I could offer you this, $10 billion, a $10 billion check on the condition that you never go to church again in your life, would you take it? $10 billion. That's pretty good. That's a lot of money, right? That's... That's a few holiday houses. That's a pretty good land cruiser. Go down camping whenever you want. $10 billion, but the proviso, you never get to dwell in church again. You never get to be with God's people again. Would you take it? Or well, maybe you could put it like this. Maybe let's make it a little bit less ridiculous. Okay. If, better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Okay? So a thousand days is like basically three years. So here's my next offer. I'm a salesman today, I can offer you a three year round the world trip to anywhere you want cruises, planes, boats, helicopters, whatever you need, go wherever you want, all expenses paid, COVID free trip for three years. But in those three years, you're never allowed to go to church or worship with God's people. Would you take it? All expenses paid, no coronavirus. Any transportation, any place in the world, three years, but you never get to worship with God's people in those three years. Would you take it? Now, don't feel guilty if you're like, heck yes, (laughs) I'm in, (laughs) I'm taking it. Don't feel guilty because I think, you know, it's a very tempting offer. But the point of the question is to help us really bottom out how valuable is the Lord to me? How good is he actually? Like, if, if I could trade him in for this, would I do it? Would I trade in his being in his presence with his people? Would I trade in, you know, worshiping him, you know, in his fullness for these things? Would I take it? Because it takes faith to actually make him your full joy, to really believe that he is incomparable to the things of this earth. So how does the psalmist get there? Okay, so say you're not there. You're like. Give me 10 bill or even just give me three years. I'm taking it. How do we actually get to a point where we go, you know what? Given that option, I would actually choose church over the world. How do we get to that point? Well, look, read verse 11. This is how the psalmist gets there. He provides these reasons that kind of stir him up. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour And honor. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So, why does he choose to trust God and dwell in his temple? Well, look at verse 11 again. Because God is a son. That means God is the source of all that is good, he brings light. He brings health. He brings vitality to all. And the Lord is a shield. That means he is the omnipotent defender against all evil. You choose God over the world, you get a son. you get a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. You choose the Lord over the world, you get true honor and true favor from the one who holds all things. And no good thing, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You see, friends, when we truly know the Lord, we can say better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere because we start to know who he really is, the sun, the shield, the giver of favor and glory, the one who does not withhold good from those who pursue him even when it looks like the sun is darkened and the shield is fragile, even when it looks like, "Ah, I'm not receiving too much favor and honor here, it looks like more like disgrace and shame, and even when it looks like in your life that he's withholding every good thing, the promise here is, because of who God is, he will bless you if you trust in him, even when it doesn't look like all these realities are true. For those who passionately pursue God, every circumstance will not turn out perfectly well in the short run. But in the long run, we can trust in the providential hand of God that through the shadow, through the valley, through the darkness, he has not withheld a single good thing from us. Which is hard to believe when you're in the middle of loss and pain and grief. But for those who seek the Lord, seek a good thing. For those who seek the Lord will be satisfied and will be fulfilled because they seek the one who is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. So how do we know deep down? How can we actually be one who trusts in the Lord, who would make this choice to choose the Lord over the world if it came to it? How do we trust that God will not withhold a good thing from us? But we can trust him because he never withheld the greatest thing from us. You see, the Lord didn't withhold himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't hold back the Son of God from us. And so he gave him willingly to die in our place for our sins. He gave up the Son of God to be sacrificed on the altar of the cross so that you and I could dwell in the presence of God and enjoy him as a son and a shield, a a bestower of favour and honour, one who gives us every good thing. Jesus is the perfect pilgrim who always dwelt and was full of joy in the Lord, who always sought God in all his life and always chose what is right over what is wrong. And yet he, he had the Lord pass over him. And not bestow favor upon him on the cross. He withheld good from him on the cross, and placed all of your sin and my sin upon him. And so, even in the midst of the darkness and the trial, and you know all the things that are going on, we can know that he will not withhold any good thing from us, because he never withheld the best thing, the greatest joy, the greatest person, the greatest satisfaction we could ever have. He gave him freely and willingly so that we could be in the presence of God again. Romans 8:32 says this: He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? True blessing is experienced by passionately Pursuing God. By trusting in him and actually choosing him over the flights and fancies of this world. Then dwelling in the tents of wickedness. Then going down the various paths that we can go. Through apathy and neglect of the Lord. Through you know, choosing you know, whatever we choose over him. True blessing is actually experienced. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in you. And each one of us has to demonstrate our faith that God is our best portion by trusting in him every week. By trusting in him, by dwelling in his presence, by coming to church, by trusting in him, by seeking him when we're outside of you know, the gathering, and by trusting in him in, in the midst of all of our temptation. My hope is that as we read the scripture this morning and read this psalm and experienced the psalmist's joy of the Lord, that it stirred something in you or even reflected back to you a lack that you don't currently, like something that's lacking that you don't quite have right now. This sense that I need more of God. I need more of his presence. I need more of his strength. I need more of his goodness and favor. I want him. I'm sick of you know, wherever I've been going for satisfaction and for entertainment and for you know, filling up or distraction. I want more of him, Lord. Help me. And if you're anything like me, you're feeling weak, you're feeling you know, that just you know, tiredness and weariness of just this season, may this psalm be an encouragement to you to seek the Lord again, to passionately pursue him. Because if you do, This psalm promises you that you will be blessed. True blessing. Supreme happiness. Joy and strength. Favor and honor. Sun and shield. The joy of the Lord in your midst. Let us pray. Lord, one thing we ask and seek of you that we may dwell in your house all the days of our life to gaze upon your beauty, O Lord, and to inquire of you in your presence. Lord, would you help us to passionately pursue you by dwelling with you, by seeking you, and by trusting in you. Lord, help us to be like the psalmist. Fill us with your spirit, enlighten our eyes and renew our spirits to want more of you again to actually be able to choose you over the things of this world, no matter the temptation or no matter how it glitters and shines. And if some of us are walking through those dark shadows and we feel like the sun has been darkened and you're not really there, Lord, would you communicate your your grace and your mercy and your favour to those brothers and sisters? And would they seek you in this time? And would they find you as the one who is full of joy, and in whose presence there is pleasure forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.